As you know, last week we uh, started by talking about promises for the journey. And one of the things we discovered and one of the uh, affirmations that we had from, uh, from last week was that God saved you to live a victorious life. And we looked at Romans 8, 31 and 37. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then we said, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so we established that God saved you and in saving you, he wants you to be victorious. But the question is, how do you actually go about doing that? What are the keys that are going to help you live out this victorious life that God desires for you? And so tonight I'm going to share with you some keys to doing this. Now, I don't usually say this, but this might be a session where you want to grab a pen and in paper and write these keys down. We will send out the keys by uh, email if you're on our mailing list, but grab a pen and paper. I don't always say that. You may want to take some notes tonight. Um, and here's the first thing you need to understand about living a victorious life. And this isn't even one of the keys, but it's important. And that is you have to want to live a victorious life. If you desire it, it's possible, but you have to want it. That's the way it works. It can't be that someone wants it for you. Yes, God wants it for you. Yes, other people around you may want it for you, but you first and foremost, you have to want it for yourself. So if you want to live a victorious life, I'm gonna share with you some things that you can do to accomplish that and achieve and live out this victorious life that God has for you, all right? Before we jump into the keys, I wanna talk about two major obstacles or enemies, if you will, that are going to impact or get in the way or what you're gonna to have to overcome in order to live this victorious life. And there are two obstacles. One is external, one is internal. Here's the external one. The external one is Satan or the devil, um, that's the external one. First Peter 5, 8 says this, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So you have an external enemy that is fighting against the plan of God for your life. The first thing he fights you on is, first of all, um, if you don't know Christ, he's going to fight tooth and nail to keep you from coming to salvation in Christ. But once you're in Christ and you're saved, he knows he can't really affect your salvation. So what he tries to affect is your life, your plan, your destiny, your purpose, your accomplishment of God's will. So there's an external enemy fighting against the plan of God for your life. Okay, I want you to be clear on that. So these are the two obstacles. That's the first one. But then there's an internal enemy. And that internal one is yourself or your flesh or your sinful nature. Listen to God's word in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. It says the sinful nature, that's your sinful nature. And by the way, Paul is writing this to Christians. He's not writing this to unbelievers. He's writing to people who have received 
Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and he says the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. You see, when you get saved, God's Spirit uh, comes and lives in your heart, and now you have a battle going on between what your flesh wants or your sinful nature wants and what your spirit wants. Okay, so the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants, and the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. You see, internally, there's a struggle that goes on. You know, in TV, they used to play this out where you would have the, the good angel on one shoulder and the bad angel on the other shoulder kind of tempting you. Um, one is saying, hey, do the wrong thing. And the, other, um, and the other one is saying, no, do the right thing. And there's this pull. There's this fight between doing what's right and doing what's not right. Okay. And so we have this internal struggle. The moment you get saved and God's spirit comes to live inside of you, this war begins um, between what your flesh wants or your sinful nature wants and what the spirit of God wants for you. And as the scripture says, these two things are in conflict with each other. And so there's that struggle. Here's what Romans says. Paul is writing this in, in Romans chapter 7, verse 15 uh, to 19. He says, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. You see, Paul is fighting this same conflict, this same struggle, this same battle between the flesh and the spirit, and the thing that he doesn't want to do, the sinful thing, is the thing that he does, and the thing that he does want to do, the right thing, living right or holy, that's the thing he doesn't do. So we're trying to live a victorious life, and you need to understand that there is this conflict. It's a real conflict, and it's going on. It's a fight. It's a battle between your flesh and your spirit, okay? And you need to understand that. Now, that leads then to a question then. How do we then begin to overcome and start winning this battle? Because it's a battle but thankfully, it's not a battle that you have to lose. You can win. And so now I'm going to start sharing with you some of these keys. And I want you to understand that some of these keys are practical and some of these keys are also spiritual. So we're going to deal with some of the spiritual ones first. The first thing you need to understand in order to live a victorious life is that you need to recognize where your power and your strength is going to come from have to understand and recognize the source and the power of your strength. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, if you walk by the Spirit, you won't or will not indulge in or engage in or fulfill the lust or the desires of the sinful nature. 
So the first key in understanding how to overcome or how to live this life is you have to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who does what? Who strengthens me. So you find your strength in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that gives you the ability to overcome the impulses of the flesh. You see, here's the reality, folks. In yourself, in your own ability, in your own strength, you can't overcome the impulses of the flesh. They're too strong. They're too powerful. It takes something greater than the pull of your flesh, the pull of your sinful nature for you to overcome it. And that greater thing is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Okay, so that's the first key. Recognize that your source of power is Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you to make a difference and give you the strength to overcome your sinful nature and live victoriously. There's a second key. Here's the second one. The second one is obedience. All right, this is, this is, this is important. If you look at Joshua chapter 1, 8, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, um, meditate on the, on, do not let the book of the Lord depart from your mouth, but meditate it on it day and night and be careful to obey what it says. And when you do that, God says you will have success in everything you do. You see, you can't have a victorious life and accomplish what God wants you to do if you refuse to obey what God has asked you or commanded you to do. You see, obedience is a real important piece of you accomplishing what God wants in your life and living that victorious life. It comes through obedience. So you can't let that go, okay? So these are some of the spiritual keys. So one, recognize the source and the and of your strength, the source of your power, the source of your ability to overcome the sinful nature. Number two, recognize that you have to live a life of obedience, right? That's number two. Here's number three. Praise and worship. These are all the spiritual keys. Praise and worship has to be a daily practice or habit, if you will, almost in your life. And here's why. We talked about this in, in previous teachings, but what praise and worship does is it sets the right perspective in your life. In the Old Testament, uh, they went out to battle. And before they went out to fight, what they did was they sent the worshipers out first, before the battle. And they used praise and worship to go into the fight. And because they did that, through that, they had victory before they even went to fight. Okay? So they had praise and worship first. It's about perspective. It's about setting things in order and prioritize. And when you worship God, when you praise God, when you give him that, then what you're doing is you're setting some order and some structure in your life. And that's why that's important. Okay. Key number four, you have to know, or if you don't know, you have to learn how to pray. Prayer is also another important key. These are all the spiritual keys. We're going to get to the practical ones in just a few moments. But prayer is an important 
a critical element to your successful and victorious living. Here's why. It's in prayer that we find power. It's in prayer that we find strength. It's in prayer that we have the hunger and the desire to obey God. It's in prayer. Oftentimes our praise and our worship leads us into prayer. And you cannot live a victorious life if you don't know how to pray. Prayer is not only effective for overcoming our flesh, prayer is also effective in overcoming our enemy, our external enemy, the devil. So if you don't know how to pray, you need to learn how to pray. And by the way, we did a teaching on that called Building a Successful Prayer Life. Feel free to go listen to that, and that can help you and give you some things you can do to help you pray. But you have to know, and you have to learn how to pray. All right, these are all critical keys to victorious living, right? Knowing the source and power of your strength, obedience, worship, and praise, and knowing and learning how to pray. But here's another one, and this is uh, equally as important, and it's right up there with obedience, is you have to spend time in the Word of God. In Psalms 119.9, it says this. It says, how can a young person stay pure? How? by obeying your word or living according to your word. And he goes on to say, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, it's God's word in you. So here's how this works. I want you to understand how this works. You open up God's word and God's word gets into you, right? And that, that now puts you on a path, okay, God, I'm gonna set out to obey your word and then what happens is the Spirit of God, right, gives you the power and the, and the ability to obey what God has commanded you in his word. So there, yes, I want to obey it. And in obeying it, how do I do that? Well, God gives me the power and the strength to obey his word. Okay? So those are some of the, the, the spiritual keys to victorious living. And this is not stuff you haven't heard before. I'm sure you've probably heard this before. But you understand where your source of strength comes from. Make sure you're obeying, being careful to obey what God has commanded you in his word. Making praise and worship a priority in your life. Knowing and learning how to pray. And living a life according to God's word. I love Psalms. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I won't get, uh, so that I won't sin, uh, excuse me, against you, okay? So those are keys, five keys, five spiritual keys. Um, and now I want to turn to some practical keys, okay? Because God's word is not only spiritual, God's word is also practical. And there are certain things that we can do in addition to these things that can set us up for either victory or if we neglect them, they could actually set us up for failure. And so I want to share these things with you. And here's the first one. These are practical ways. And the first one is fellowship, right? Fellowship. I want to read Ecclesiastes, and then, and then I'll expound on this just a minute. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 11. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone 
is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Love those words, right? Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So one of the things you have to understand, if you're going to live a victorious life in Christ, one of the things that can help you is fellowship. Other believers, being in community with other believers, what does that do? That can give you encouragement. That can give you strength. You can find help. You, it helps you become more productive. You have someone who can pick you up if you fall. In other words, we were never designed to live this life alone. After God made Adam, he said, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. God recognized that even for Adam, it wasn't good for him to be alone. Now, he made him a wife, Eve, but that's a principle that for us, it's not good for us to be alone. Hebrew says, don't forsake the gathering together of believers as some have done, okay? It's important to understand that we connected are stronger than we are apart. As it says here, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. See, when I'm in fellowship, what's going on? I'm looking out for my brother's interest. They're looking out for mine. If I go off base, there's someone there that can say, hey, brother, you need to get back on track. If I'm all by myself, I could be off base and there's no one there to, to get me back in line, okay? So we can encourage each other. There is no such thing as lone rangers in Christianity. People who are lone rangers go off the deep end typically. That's usually what's going to happen. So God intended us to be in fellowship with each other so we can encourage each other, so we can support each other, so we can pray for each other. So we can help each other, so we can be more productive, so we can accomplish more for the kingdom. It's all us working together, and fellowship is really important in doing that. So don't neglect that. That's a practical key to helping you be victorious. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a three-braided cord or triple-braided cord is not easily broken. So I want you to understand that. That's why God puts you in the body of Christ. You are important to the body of Christ. Your role is important. Your, uh, your, your, your appearance, and, and not just your role, not just what you do, but who you are is important in the body of Christ. So I want you to understand that. So that this is practical. Fellowship. So don't neglect fellowship. Be in fellowship. Don't be a Lone Ranger Christian. Be around other believers. Be encouraged by other believers. If you're men, sometimes go to a men's fellowship at your church. If you can't find one, find one. If you're a woman, be encouraged by other women. If you're married, go to married fellowships. All these types of things. Go to church on Sunday. Don't just go and leave. Actually meet some people. Actually spend time talking to people. Actually get to know people. Why? All of these things will help you 
and encourage you. It's really important. So don't forget it. This is practical, folks. This has nothing to do with prayer or studying God's word. This is just practical stuff in fellowship with other believers. Here's another key. Be accountable. All right. So yes, be in fellowship. Number two, be accountable. So I want to ask you this question. I really want you to think about this for a moment. Who can you pour your stuff, your life stuff, you know, the things that no one knows about you, who can you pour your stuff out to without fear of judgment? Okay? Think about that question. Is there someone in your life that you can sit down and talk to about you, about some of the things you deal with, and they won't judge you? If you don't have that kind of person, please pray and ask God to bring that type of person into your life. Because one of the keys to victory, again, it's accountability. This really plays back to not being a lone ranger, right? We need to be accountable. James says this, James chapter 5, verse 16. The first part of the verse says, confess your sins to each other. That's the first part. But here's the other one. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. Accountability is so important. It helps keep you again in line, but more importantly, it gives you someone to talk to that you can talk about what's going on in your life. Now, I will caution you, you shouldn't talk to everybody <laughs> about what's going on in your life. You don't need to share your everything in going on with everybody, that's not wisdom. I'm not saying for you to do that, but there should be one or two or possibly even three people in your life that you know you can pick up the phone, you can talk to them, you can tell them anything, and they're not going to start looking at you like, what in the world is wrong with you? It's important, that level of accountability, someone that you can be open and honest with, really, really important, and important enough that they're not going to judge you. And that's important. So if you don't have that person in your life, please pray and ask God to bring that person into your life. So be in fellowship, be accountable. Here's the other one. Be real. You know, here's a fact about being a Christian, all right? We are still in living in human bodies. What does that mean? That means we hurt. That means we cry. That means we have disappointments. That means we have missteps. That means there are times that you don't feel like praying, that there are times you don't feel like wanting to read God's word. You don't want to read the Bible. There are times you don't want to go to church. There are times you're tired. There are times you don't feel like serving. Listen, there was one Thursday, my wife and I, we were exhausted. We didn't even feel like doing this on that Thursday. It happens. There are times you don't feel like obeying. You get tired of doing the right thing all the time. Sometimes you feel like giving into the temptation. Sometimes you just don't care. Let's be real with this thing here, okay? So we have to be real. These are all the types of emotions that we experience all the time. These things happen. You will hurt in this life. You will cry. You will have disappointments. 
all of that is going to happen. And these types of emotions don't mean that you are unspiritual or unsaved or weak. All it means is that you are human. And let me explain something. It is okay to be a Christian and at the same time be human. It's okay. You know, I always find it interesting that sometimes you ask people how they're doing, and I know some people that every, everything is always great. Everything is always going right. They never have any problems. There's never any issues. There's never any disappointments. There's never any discouragements. Listen, if that's the case, I just don't believe it. I don't buy it. And that when it's always like that, that's not real. I'm sorry, you can disagree with me if you like, but that's just not real. Because in this life, things happen, life happens. You know, sometimes you go to believers and, and you ask them how they're doing and they come out with the term, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, <laughs> all right? And, and the feeling is that if I don't, if you don't say that, then people are gonna look at you and think, well, what's wrong with you? And let's be real, that's not how life always feels. That's not how you're always doing. Now, I'm not saying you need to go around moping all the time. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is learn to be real with the emotions that you are feeling. In other words, can we please just take the masks off? I'm just tired of seeing believers that sometimes are struggling or sometimes are hurting or sometimes are suffering and they stay in those places because they refuse to be honest and real with people around them that they can trust and who can help them. It's so important. Now, there is a flip side, flip side to this too. Um, Christians that are always going through something. Now, I, I think that's another extreme. See, these are extremes. Everything's not always right and everything's not always wrong. There's gotta be some balance in this. So if you're always going through and you're never having victory, I have a problem with that too, okay? So you should have victory in your life, but it's okay if you're struggling with something. It's okay. And here's the other thing. Allow people to be real and don't judge them. You see, I think part of the reason why a lot of Christians wear these masks is because they feel like if I really share what's going on in my heart, then people are gonna start judging me. If I share about my struggle, if I share about my pain, if I share about the sin that I'm dealing with, if I share about this temptation that I'm struggling with, if I share that I'm depressed, if I share that I don't have joy right now, then people are going to start questioning, well, what kind of Christian are you? And yet we all fight the same type of emotions. Understand something, folks. Having joy does not mean you won't have pain. Having peace doesn't mean you won't have struggle, okay? It comes with the territory. And here's something that is very important. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this clearly. You cannot defeat an enemy, a problem, or any situation until you acknowledge it exists. In other words, you can't just bury your head in the sand and hope and pray or just hope and wish that it goes away. It doesn't work that way. 
you know, back in the day, people used to, um, I remember when I was in college, I would tell people used to use this line. You might say something to a person. They say, oh, I don't receive that. Might be the truth. Oh, because they don't want to. I don't receive that. No, you have to acknowledge something exists. Understand this, folks. Every miracle Jesus performed, every person he healed, they first had to admit that they had a problem. When the water was turned into wine, uh, Jesus' mother Mary came and said, hey, we ran out of, we ran out of wine. Can you help? When he fed the 5,000, they acknowledged, we don't have food to feed these people. With the woman with the issue of blood, she realized, I've got this problem, and I need to get to Jesus so he can help me, right? When he healed the lepers, when the, the demon-possessed man, it doesn't matter. Whatever miracle or healing or anything that Jesus performed, they first had to acknowledge that there was a problem. So I don't get where we get this theology from that we can't acknowledge the things that are happening in our life. I don't understand where that comes from. Everything happens with acknowledgement. Think about this. You can't ask for forgiveness and repent until you first acknowledge that you're a sinner. You can't ask for healing until you acknowledge that you're sick. You can't ask for wisdom until you acknowledge that you don't have it. You can't ask for food until you acknowledge that you're hungry. You can't ask for financial blessing until you acknowledge that you're in need. You can't ask for strength until you acknowledge that you're weak. See how that works? So we as believers, we have to be real. Be real with your emotions. Now, I want to caution you again. That does not mean that you tell everyone your real emotions. Maybe you have, the, again, that core group that you can talk to, but you need to have a place where you can go and be real. When you are real with your emotions and you're real with your struggles and you're real with the challenges that you face, then you can get strength to overcome them. Now I have someone who can stand beside me and maybe pray for me or keep me accountable or hold me up. And they can do that for you. They can pray for you or hold you up or keep you accountable, but you just got to be real and understand it's okay to be human. All right. The next thing, the next key is you have to know your weaknesses. You know, we have all different, thing, different things that, that we struggle with, um, different battles that we face. Uh, and you need to know what your weaknesses are. And you need to know your triggers, the things that can set off those weak areas. I heard the story of a man who was, uh, he was trying to lose weight and he used to go to work every morning. And every morning he would go and he would bring in a dozen donuts. And so he told everybody in the office, I'm trying to lose weight, so I'm not going to bring donuts in anymore. And so he'd gone through about two weeks, and he didn't bring donuts in. And then he said, he said one day he comes in and he has the donuts. And he said, what happened? Well, he said, you know, I usually stop going by the donut shop on the way to work because I, I knew that that would be my trigger. But this time I was driving to work, and I was going by the donut shop, and I asked God, I said, God, if you want me to have a donut today, then let there be a parking spot right in front of the donut shop. And he said, after I circled the block about 12 times, I saw the spot right in front of the donut shop. You see, you need to understand what are the things that are going to trigger your weaknesses. 
you know, we've been uh, in our house, we've been trying to change a little bit of the way we eat and, you know, trying to lose some weight. Um, and one of my biggest, biggest weaknesses are desserts. I have a sweet tooth, but not really for candy. I like desserts. And one of my favorite things in all the world are soft cookies, soft chocolate chip cookies or sugar cookies or snickerdoodles, probably in that one, two, three order. And even better if they're warm and even better with a cold glass of milk. All right. That's something I, those, that's like my weakness. If I see a warm cookies, I can eat them, but I need a now a cold glass of milk to go with it. So recently I went to Starbucks. I was meeting someone in Starbucks and, um, and we were sitting and we chatted for a while. And then when I walked in, I noticed they had these nice looking soft chocolate chip cookies and they were like calling me. And I said, you know what? After the meeting, I said, I went to the bathroom and I was debating whether I was going to buy them. I said, you know what? I need to get out of here. <laughs> and so I just walked out. And that was the end of that because just not being around it. So you got to understand what your weaknesses are. I used to coach basketball. And when I did that, one of the things we had to do when we were coaching against another team is identify our own strengths as a team and our own weaknesses and try to cover them, but then identify the opponent's strengths and more specifically their weaknesses and try to exploit them. So it's important to know your weak areas, know the things that trigger and you can build barriers around those things to protect yourself. See, this is practical stuff. So for example, think about these kind of questions. What are the areas that pose the greatest challenge to you? What are the things that tempt you? What are the things that trigger these weaknesses in your life? And, and then, more importantly, what can you do to protect yourself from them? See, these are practical questions, practical steps that you need to take. What does that mean then? That means you may have to watch where you go or who you hang out with or the types of conversations you have or um, the types of music you listen to, the things you watch on TV, the movies you may watch, the types of foods you eat. You may have to be careful with all of these different things. Why? Because you understand your weaknesses. And it's not just praying for strength because sometimes the best way to overcome the struggle or the temptation is simply to avoid it. You know, we looked at the life of Joseph and, and Joseph, as you remember, was being tempted by Potiphar's wife and she wanted to sleep with him. And Joseph made it a point not to be around her. By doing that, he avoided the temptation altogether. You see, if you're not close to the sin, then you don't have to worry about the temptation. But if you're struggling with weight, don't go sit in a donut shop every day. Right. It's, it's, it's just that simple. If you struggle with alcohol, don't go out to work for the happy hour after work to say, no, I can't do that. All right. If it's another type of sin, be careful of what you do and where you go. These are practical things. Understanding your weaknesses. OK, the next one. You need to know your enemy. All right. And, and the enemy I'm talking about is Satan or the devil. And by the way, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in depth. Actually, next session, we're going to talk about our adversary, the devil. Um, and because the Bible says that we should be familiar or aware of his schemes. And so we're going to look at that. So it's important to know your enemy 
to know how he works because he uses a lot of the same tricks. And I'm not going to get into them tonight, but join us next week, and we're going to dive into that uh, next week, understanding our enemy, because the better you understand him, then the better you know how to fight against him and win. So you need to know your enemy. Here's the other thing you need to know. You need to know your weapons. Ephesians chapter 6 is uh, one of the more popular scriptures talking about the weapons of our warfare and the armor of God. That's all in Ephesians 6. And we're planning to do a series on that uh, coming up soon. But you have to know your weapons. You know, when they train military people, um, they spend a lot of time understanding and knowing how to use their weapons. Okay, because if you don't know how to use the weapon, when the war goes on and when the fight comes, you're going to be, unfortunately, you're going to be out of luck. Okay, so you have to know the weapons that God has given you so that you can be victorious. And and, and this victory I'm talking about is victory over the enemy. All right, we have an enemy. How do we overcome him? And we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about the armor of God, because that's how you do it. So I encourage you, read Ephesians chapter 6. That'll help you there. Okay, two more things, two more keys to victory. The, of, the next key is this. You have to fight. <laughs> Understand this. God will give you victory, but you still have to fight. Okay? So I want you to get that. God will give you the victory, but you still have to fight. Listen to the words in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1 to 4. It says, when you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and an army greater than your own, do not be afraid. The Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt is with you. When you prepare for battle, the priest must come forward and to speak to the troops. He will say to them, listen to me, all you men of Israel, do not be afraid. As you go out to fight your enemies today, do not lose heart or panic or tremble before them. And here's verse four, for the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies and he will give you victory. So understand in Israel, God promised to give them victory. However, he didn't say you don't have to fight to get it. So yes, you got to go out to the battle. Yes, you got to go out to the battlefield. Yes, God will give you the victory. However, in the midst of that, you still have to go out and fight. So be prepared for that. That's where the armor comes in, by the way. So this way, I know I got to fight. I know I'm going to have the victory but I still have to go through the battle. When David um, fought Goliath, right? Goliath, this uncircumcised Philistine, David said, I'm going to slay you. But guess what? He still had to go out and battle. He, he knew God was going to give him the victory, but he still had to go out and fight. And so sometimes you will have to fight your external enemy, the devil. Sometimes you may have to fight your internal enemy. But if you fight with the armor and the things that God has given you, with the spirit of God, then you can't have the victory. But sometimes you're going to have to fight. And here's the last key for tonight. 
and this is a interesting one, but a necessary one. You need balance in your life. You know, I'm a big sports fan, and um, in any sport, um, boxing or or martial arts or football, basketball, um, one of the keys to victory over your opponent to get an advantage is to get your opponent off balance. So if you're boxing and your opponent is off balance, two things they can't do. They can't really punch effectively with any power. And if they get hit, there's a greater possibility that they may get knocked down because they've lost their balance. Same thing in football. If, if you're on the line and you're fighting and the opponent uh, is off balance, then there's a, there's a good chance that you're going to be able to um, – knock them off or knock them over, right? It's, it's all about balance. Same thing in basketball. If you're, the defender loses their balance, then you have the advantage. When your life gets out of balance or off balance, you become vulnerable. And so balance in your life, this is a practical key, is so very, very important. And here's the truth, folks. You can't be everywhere. You can't be involved in everything. You can't work seven days a week. You can't be involved in every ministry at the church. You can't do it all. You got to have balance. Even more so if you have a family, if you have a wife, and if you have children, you have to have balance. Because if you get off balance, you will get into trouble. Think about this for a moment. If you never sleep, you're going to be in trouble, right? Because your body needs rest. Um, and if you don't rest, you'll, you'll, you'll be in trouble. If you eat too much, you're going to get in trouble. If you don't eat enough, you'll be in trouble, right? If you never take a vacation, you're going to be in trouble. All these things are throwing you off balance. If you're always in church and you never leave and you're always there every time the doors are open and you choose to neglect your family because you're in church all the time, you're going to be in trouble because you're off balance. If all you do is work and you never spend time with your family or you never take time to be with your friends, you will be in trouble. Why? Because your life is out of balance. It's balance, folks. If you want to grow spiritually, you balance the word of God and the spirit of God together. If you want to have maintained healthy relationships, then you balance spending time with God, spending time with family, spending time at work, spending time in ministry. You balance all these things out. There's a real popular word a lot of, a lot of companies like to promote. We have work-life balance. You've probably heard that before. And you need to have that. I'll add, you need work, life, ministry, balance. You see, sometimes we get so involved in ministry that we neglect everything else for the sake of serving in ministry. God never intended us to do that. In fact, in our household, our mantra for balance is this. This is the way we prioritize things. It's God first, family second, career third, ministry for. And if you want more information, I'll be glad to tell you that. But it's about balance. It's about making sure that everything is in order and in place in the right proportion in my life. 
And if something gets out of proportion, then I'm in trouble. And then you're in trouble because you're off balance. Okay? A.R. Bernard said this. He said, balance is the key to life. You know, I've seen people, um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to discourage people from serving in ministry. If you have the a talent and the ability and the time to do it, I think you should do that. But you should never, ever serve in ministry and forsake your family in the process. That's not what God wants. You should never, ever work yourself to death and never see your family. I don't think that's what God wants either, right? It's all about balance. So let's review tonight, all right? You want to live a victorious life? You need to understand who your enemies are, right? You have an external one, that's the devil. You have an internal one, that's yourself, okay? Um, the keys, the spiritual keys, you need to make sure that you are recognizing the source of your strength and power, that you are obedient to God's word, that you incorporate praise and worship in your life, you learn how to pray, and that you uh, keep God's word center in your life. So those are the spiritual keys. And then here are the practical ones. Make sure you are in fellowship. Be accountable. Be real. That's important. Um, know your weaknesses. Know your enemy. Know your weapons. Understand that you have to fight. And most and lastly, you need balance. So if you start incorporating these keys into your life, both the spiritual ones and the practical ones, I strongly believe that you will begin to have victory in every area of your life. It might be a challenge. You might have to fight. You're going to have to fight for it. Some days are going to be better than others. Some days are going to be harder than others. Some days are going to be real easy. Some days are going to be a struggle. But in all things, God says you are more than conquerors. And you can live a victorious life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every person who's listening to this right now. I pray, God, that you would help them. Whatever they need to do, give them the wisdom they need to make sure and help them live a victorious life. In Jesus' name, amen.